do this, the Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Bruce. I'm doing good. The Edmonton Oilers? Not good. And the Edmonton Oilers fan that's part still part of me, struggling to... I feel like having an exorcism, honestly, and get rid of that part of me to watching today's game. This is getting to be extremely painful, being an mm-hmm. Oilers fan right now. Just mm-hmm. two wins in 10 games, including this loss today to the Nashville Predators, the you know one of the all-time great teams in the NHL history. 5-2 over the Oilers in a much kind of a must-win game for the Oilers. They just they just can't let these opportunities get away, and yet they did. Bruce, this will be our two good things, two bad things, two numbers, and one conundrum podcast. But because it was kind of a stinker of a loss, we'll go with two bad things each. We will start on a positive note, though. Our good things. What is your good thing? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the. Uh white-breasted nuthatch and the house finch that simultaneously found themselves on my bird feeder a couple of minutes ago right outside my window here that was a good thing i like that a lot (laughs) uh otherwise i will go with um the uh order second power play unit uh which actually connected for a goal first time since the 2021-22 campaign Last year, the Oilers' first unit scored 89 power play goals, and all 89 of them were scored by players on the first unit. Incredible. Like, they had the most power play goals of anybody, and it was all one unit. Anyway, the second unit got a chance because the uh, Oilers' first line had a long shift in which they drew the penalty, and the second unit rightly got put out there to start the uh, power play and to give the first guys a chance for a breather, and the power play started, and I just blurted it out to my wife. I said, the second unit are going to score. I can feel it. And uh, about 10 seconds later, <laughs> the puck was in the net. It was a slap shot from uh, Darnell Nurse that rang the post, and I think it bounced off of the blocker of uh, Kevin Lankinen and took a favorable for the Oilers bounce and into the net to uh, open up a one nothing lead. And that was, you know, a, a little boost that, I mean, they played well up to that point, and they probably deserved that lead, so. Nice uh, fake pass by Ekholm and a nice screen by Sam Gagne. Sam mm-hmm. Gagne's had two good games in a row, mm-hmm. one terrific game, and then tonight was, I thought, a good game. It's a funny night, Bruce. Funny night in that I think a lot of the players um, had pretty good games. A lot of the forwards, a number of the defensemen had good games. Like, you know, Bouchard, I thought, had a good game. Um, CC wasn't particularly bad. Kane was his usual rambunctious self. Um, Hyman made some really good plays. Um, but, and the Oilers had 14 grade A shots to 10 for Nashville. Subset of uh, six five alarm shots for the Oilers and five for Nashville. So there was some good process, as they say, in this game, which is no small comfort when you just have two wins in 10 games and you lose to a team that you should beat. But, and I know people are going to object to this when they read my game grades. Cause I, I, I just, I grade on process and I grade on individual players, not team play. So if the team loses, not everyone doesn't get a negative mark. Right. So I have lots of sevens, sixes in this game, yeah. but um, 
there's a few really low marks as well, and I think they were they were quite deserving. You saw it better than I did, David. I mean, whatever our grade A chances are, how many how many breakaways did Edmonton get? How many open net tap ins did they get? You know, whereas Nashville they just stuffed two home from the edge of the blue paint that weren't well defended, and uh, another one on a breakaway and. Well, and those are the players who got the uh, chances. The low marks, Bruce, are the ones mm-hmm. who are responsible for those mistakes. Yeah, too many big Darnell time being, chances. Darnell Nurse being one of them. And anyway, we'll we'll get to the bad things in a second. My my good thing is, I, listen. As much as anything, my wife was asking me what's wrong with the orders, and I was struggling to come up with an answer. <laughs> and um, as much as anything, this. And I wrote a post on this this week. This shows how dependent the orders are on Connor McDavid. Yes. He has not been himself. And if you're yeah. looking for why they only have two wins in ten games, that is like a number one uh, on the list, way higher than anything else. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, their their defensive mental errors would be the other. Those are the two things that standing out: mental errors on defense. But McDavid usually, they always make those, and McDavid usually makes up for them. He's just not able to right now. Uh, but I, and he's, his play has been characterized. His legs look good. He's moving fast, so that's good news. But there's something with his stick handling, which is just not off, and his shooting. It's, it, there's, the, the problem isn't some kind of, something that leads to a problem with stick handling and fine motor control of the puck, which he excels at more than anyone else in the NHL, but hasn't been doing recently. Tonight, and I don't know if he just willed himself to do this, but he charged in Bruce um, against heavily defended uh, slot area, and he got off two grade A shots on rushes. Um, Those were plays that I haven't seen from him since the first couple games of the season, I don't think, where he charges into the slot and is able to get off a grade A shot, and he did that twice tonight. Twice. I remember the one. So that was a really good sign. Uh, from Connor McDavid that he he was able now and again I don't know maybe that's just sheer willpower but I also take it as a sign that he he might be getting back some of his dexterity with the puck which is can't come soon enough because the orders are they need him to win them games they need Connor McDavid to win them games because no one I mean some other players are playing well but they just can't create on the power play and an even strength the way they need to without him um, putting up points. So the other player I noticed who is coming around from injury is Matthias Ekholm. And Matthias Ekholm has been, in terms of performance, I'm not talking about effort or anything else, in terms of execution and performance, Matthias Ekholm has been awful this year. He is by far making the most mistakes on grade A shots against at even strength of any Oilers defenseman. And he hasn't been creating much on the attack. He has been struggling, but he has been slowly grading up slowly moving up and tonight was his best game you think um and he looked he didn't make he kept a clean sheet he didn't make one mistake on a grade a shot against an even strength now he was part of a, a snafu on the penalty kill um which resulted in a, a goal against um which goal was that it was the third or the second goal against he third. um third uh, it ends up down low with a two-on-one with DeHarnay covering, and there's a pass out front and a wide-open net on that goes through DeHarnay's skates and wide-open shot 
on the cross seam mm-hmm. pass. But this all ha- the, the reason there's a two on one down low is because Connor McDavid has charged the point. Yep. Under when the when the de- defenseman has full possession of the puck, mm-hmm. David decides he's going to charge up to the point, and that pulled everyone else up to cover the middle of the area where he should have been covering. Ryan Ryan was moving up. Eckholm has to move up to cover that high slot man. When Eckholm mm-hmm. moves up, it leaves the guy down low open, and that's how this play happens. And um, anyway, that was Eckholm's one um, mistake, if you call it a mistake. He was kind of he was in a out. tough spot. And he McDavid, had to to McDavid had that guy. He was right on his shoulder. And then the puck went to the open guy in the point, and he decided to go up there. And then the guy in the point had a couple of options, and Eckholm tried to cover both of them, but he couldn't cover either one of them in the end. Yeah. So. And I know there's certain triggers on the penalty kill where you're supposed to attack hard the player with yeah. the puck, and one of them is if his back's to you, like he's if his mm-hmm. back's to the boards and he's not facing the play. For when he first got the puck, the defenseman, he did momentarily have his back to the play. And I think that was McDavid's read. And that's but he quickly recovered. And by the time McDavid started to charge at him, he was fully recovered. And that's when the player the oiler has to back off and everyone's got to back off, but by then it was too late. And the sequence of pain unfolds before our eyes yet again of the oilers giving up a like a yeah, there's something more than a five alarm chance. Like the five alarm chances go in 33% of the time. Chance like that, it's 50, like 50% of the time they're going to score. And the Preds had a number of chances like that, which just open nets, uncovered players in front of the net, and all you got to do is drain it. Uh, somehow I was talking about a good thing, Bruce, and I got onto that. It's kind of well. Kinda this nice is how fun. things are going, David. Yeah. Even the good things seem to have sort of uh, 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 sloppy edges to them, right? Yeah. So Ekholm, th- this is a really yeah. big sign. They need Ekholm to play well. If they have a top four of um, Ekholm and Bouchard, Bouchard had a really strong game. Man, was he good with the puck this mm-hmm. game. And he did make, he kept a clean sheet. Um, Brett Kulak kept a clean sheet. There was some really strong defensive play by a number of players um, in this game. Um, if they have CeCe and Nurse, and as one pairing, and I know they didn't play well tonight, but um, especially Nurse had some rough moments. But I I think sending Broberg to the minors could help this team overall because I think the 7D was screwing them up. They just need to have set partners for a while, figure this out, get some organization and structure in their game. And um, they do have, I think, three solid-ish partnerships. Maybe Yakholm and Bouchard can be better than that. But um, it won't be until Ekholm's ready, and I think he's ready. Yeah, they were, that pairing was the least of Oilers' problems today. Yeah. They were damn good. Bruce, let's move on to our bad things. What is your mm. first badamundo? Yeah. Well, I'm going to uh, cite the uh, Edmonton Oilers' first unit of um, uh McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hyman, Nurse, and Cece, uh, that at five on five today were on the ice for the first two Nashville goals, uh, of which in the first part of the game, there was only two even strength goals, and both of them were scored by Nashville's first line head-to-head against Edmonton's first line, Forsberg and O'Reilly and... and, uh, yeah, they uh, they got it done. So 
we had at the end of this game for that group, we had uh, CC minus three, Hyman minus three, Nurse minus three, Drysaddle minus two, McDavid minus two. And another measure is the uh, uh, the game score that's kept track in every game by uh, hockey stat cards. And it's a combination of, of statistics. And they they do consider a lot of things. They consider offense, production, defense, and miscellaneous, including penalties drawn, you know, penalty kill impact, face-offs. Like, there's a lot of things that they... And they list the game score in order uh, for each player. And for the orders, Evan Bouchard, number one, Matthias Ekholm, number two, top of the charts. And then it was forwards like Gagne, Fogel, Ryan, McLeod, down through the lineup. Here are the bottom five... Oilers by game impact today. Dreisaitl, McDavid, Hyman, Nurse, Cece. Same five guys that I mentioned were in the first unit. And they got burned twice, you know. The the the, um, uh, the immediate tying goal that was scored like 25 seconds after the Oilers took the lead, never to get again. So frustrating. Man, oh man. And it was, I think, mainly on the goalie, but, you know, they got uh, uh, the puck into their end. They got outnumbered underneath the goal line, and bad things happened. And then they came out to start the second period, score tied 1-1. 23 seconds into the period, Ryan O'Reilly is scoring on a, uh, you know, a tap-in from the end of the edge of the crease. And, you know, Nurse is unable to contain him, was it? Was it McDavid that wasn't in the shooting lane? One of the forwards that allowed the outside shot. And at the other end, you know, they were creating some chances, but they're not finishing at all. Like, at all. We're up to now seven straight games, David, since McDavid or Dreisaitl or Nugent Hopkins scored a goal. And, I mean, those are the 100-point guys from last year. None of them has a goal for seven games now. And they're just not producing. And... For, I mean, the overwhelming level of scoring capacity that they've proven to have, uh, they don't seem that dangerous. I mean, maybe I'm just getting jaded, but it just doesn't seem like, you know, that there's a there's a goal cooking. Uh, with one exception, the one power play goal that Edmonton got that was a great cycle by the power play. And otherwise, you know, I didn't think that... Uh, for all that he played a pretty good game today, Kevin Lankinen uh, was uh, had to be that outstanding. I think maybe one what I call great save and uh, uh, otherwise solid. And they they just don't seem to be a threat to be filling the net. I, I like that line a bit better than you did this game, Bruce. Okay. I, uh-huh. What I saw from Drysaddle <laughs> this this game was. He was constantly setting up people, and they were bobbling the puck, fanning on the puck, missing the net. So um, I thought Leon, it would be interesting to go back over Leon's play that game and see how many times, I think it's two or three times, where he set people up in the slot for great shots, and they either missed the net or bobbled the puck. Yeah. So and those and, won't you know, show up on game score. I can promise no, you, they on our five-alarm chances. Yeah. Or... And they didn't defensively make a lot of mistakes themselves necessarily. Although I feel on the first goal, Leon's back check was inadequate that if he had been, if he had just kept his feet moving on Forsberg, he would have forced him out a little wider. He might've even denied him that pass. 
And I know it's asking a lot of a star player to back check as if his oh. life depended on it. But I, I just think if he had back check hard on that play, and it's, listen, it's I'm going to get to this in a second. It's all on Campbell. But yeah. if Leon had done that, mm-hmm. he had gotten back. Then when then when Forsberg comes around the net, um, it wouldn't be a two-on-one down low. Cody Ceci might have been able to play Forsberg um, if Leon's back too. So I just, anyway, that's, that's, he, I thought Leon was pretty good and I thought Hyman was fine. He was hustling hard and scored a goal. He went to the net and he, he won, he won. That was a great power play, man. Did they work on power play? So I didn't see that. Second power play scored and challenged them and they got their act together for, it took them like a hundred seconds or something to put it, put it in, but they were just all over him. Now, McDavid was late to the point on um, one of those shots. He, um, on one of the even, the other even strength goal that they were out for, he mm-hmm. didn't block that shot or, and it, it got through and. Um, Campbell couldn't contain it. Nurse couldn't contain O'Reilly. Yeah, Campbell's foot and he, he just. Anyway, my bad thing is Jack Campbell. My first bad thing. That first goal, or was it the first? Um, you know, it's the second. The wraparound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the second goal against. It's two to one. It's one one. They Forsberg rushes up the ice and he wraps it around and he doesn't even wrap it around to the middle of the net. He just wraps that was it around. One one. Yeah. Oh, that's the one one. Yeah. And what is Jack Campbell doing? He is way on the other side of the net. And this is what I've noticed him from when Jack Campbell has been bad. He loses his net. He overreacts. He's yeah. so hyper. Yeah. That he overreacts to the first shot, totally bites on whatever's happening. Bites hard. Bites hard. hard then is out of position. And was he ever? He was so out of position. So he could. It would have been a routine, a fairly routine. A wraparound is not a grade A shot. That right. is a, they don't score. They don't go in twenty percent of the time. Maybe tops 15, 10 to fifteen. And goalies have got to have that shot. And he because he had bit so hard. Mm-hmm. On that first play by Forsberg coming down the wing, he was way out of position. And I don't know how, I don't know what the reaction was on the bench. Like, it wasn't like, like a lot of bad goals are so obviously oh. bad because the goalie, it goes, sieves right through the goalie, right? An mm-hmm. outside shot sieves through. It's like, what? And, yeah. but this is just as bad as any of those. He oh, I'm just, sure, I'm sure they... You know, that that had to put a pin in the balloon. They just scored to take the lead. Literally 25 seconds. 25 yeah. seconds they held the lead. And Forsberg, I mean, he got the puck down so low and so wide. He was practically on the goal line. And he kind of faked that he was going to shoot short side. And, and Campbell dropped to his, to his knees to, like, reacting to a shot that didn't come. And he was on the goal line. And, and Campbell... As I recall, he was actually beyond the post towards he the was. shooter. Like he had to come all the way across the net. He didn't come close to coming across. And it would have been better if he'd actually skated behind the net because then uh, uh, Forsberg's wraparound wouldn't have hit Campbell and bounced in because that wasn't actually a shot. It was he just shoveled it into the crease and uh, hit Campbell's pad and straight in. And what a what a what a uh, what a letdown. And I would say the the turning point of the hockey game. I, I think so. And we've talked about this before, how when there's a, a bad goal against, oh. 
it just is so deflating for a team because goals are hard to come by in the NHL. And early in the game, especially, it's well, not especially, but any time in a game, there's a bad goal. But like when it's close, the score is close. It's just, it's a, it's just such a, it's just such a blow to the team. He, he, he um, also, arguably, you know, blew it on the second goal, um, the outside shot that got through that we were talking about earlier. With um, it, it was tougher because McDavid didn't get out to the point, and then Nurse, with his total eclipse of the sun screen on Jack Campbell certainly did not help. And then he, he was also late to O'Reilly at the side of the net, but the first shot hit Campbell in the foot and sitting there. And, you know, you'd hope the goalie can stop the rebound, smother the rebound, do something with the rebound. And he didn't, it just sat there and O'Reilly smashed it in. So that wasn't as egregious a mistake. That's just uh in some ways, it's a tough play for the goalie, but you do hope that they will do better with with that uh, kind of play as well. Yes. Your second bad thing, Bruce. Yeah, I'm going to go with the too many men on the ice penalty against the Oilers in the middle frame. This is when the game was at seen a, a succession of power play goals. Um, where Nashville had scored to make it three to one, Edmonton scored on their great power play to make it three to two. Then uh, Edmonton took a penalty like 20 seconds after the three to two goal. But during the penalty kill, uh, Newton Hopkins uh, drew a hooking penalty to make it four on four. And, uh, and the orders were going to, uh, after the four on four, they were going to have a power, a little bit of time on the power play. And what happened was that when Ryan McLeod came out of the penalty box, he was sort of halfway across the ice and uh, Zach Hyman jumped out of the, onto the ice. And before McLeod could dive over the boards, um, Hyman played the puck and it's an easy call when the guy plays the puck. And it was uh, back to the penalty box, back to four on four, no power play for you, Oilers. Instead, it's another power play for Nashville. And this was at a time in the game where I thought that Oilers had closed the gap, that they might be having a chance to tilt the ice again. But that didn't happen. And it was just another careless, sloppy line change by the Oilers. And this fan is sick of those. Come on, guys, get it together on line changes. Indeed. <laughs> My second bad thing, Bruce, is the backbreaker. Right after that, yeah. The backbreaker of a goal against the fourth goal. It's 3-2. The Oilers have scored on the power play. They're getting, they've had a couple um, grade-A shots after that, including one by Nuge from the slot. Um, yes, that was a great save by Lankinen. Yeah, Best and um, so... To me, they're still in this game. I think they're, they probably, if they can just get the next one, they'll win this game. And all of a sudden, uh, Raphael Lavoie is in the corner, and he tries to set up. I think McLeod in the slot, and his and his and his pass gets knocked down by the uh, Predators player. And at the same time as Lavoie has it, Vincent DeHarnay decides he's going to get that tying goal and he starts moving into the slot he leaves his position at the point he moves into the slot and when the puck is turned over he's still moving forward and unable to reverse direction and his man gets the breakout pass and his man goes in and scores 
and there's nothing much Vinnie Daharne can do about it. Oh, and um, so here we have, this is the second time this game the owners have given up a goal off the rush. They've now given up, by our count, which is a little higher than some of the other counts, they've given up 18 Bruce off the rush this year at even strength. And the owners have scored just six. 18 to six. Mm -hmm. So, um, like if you want to say mechanically, systematically, why the owners have lost, it's this particular play. And uh, so so some people have been really hard on Raphael Lavoie in this play. Mm-hmm. I think that's un. I think that's unfair. Be really hard on him, but he made a mistake. You know, he made it. It's a mistake. But listen, how, how many times do forwards trying to set up someone in the slot make a turnover? It's it's, yeah, it's that's common. hockey. Yeah, that's very common. That happens yeah, all the time. In fact, we want them to try risky passes into the slot often, or. Uh, <sighs> It's the one place where you're going to take a risk if you're going to make a pass, where you're constantly going to be taking risk making passes because you got to take that risk to score goals. And it's the safest place to make that kind of risk. It should be because you have two defensemen back and other, often a forward in the high slot. There's no goal against here if Finney DeHarnay holds his position. Nothing mm-hmm. bad happens. There's a turnover and nothing bad happens. So I just think DeHarnay made a really bad decision. Um, they're only they're it's it's an impatient decision. They're only down they're only down one goal. They've got a roster full of people who historically have been able to score goal after goal after goal. And you're Vinny Darnay, and you decide you're gonna tr- sneak into that slot and score a goal rather than play it safe. It was a really bad mental error by him. And it's typical. I th- I think if you look go over those 18 goals off the rush, probably half of them are the direct result of really bad decisions similar to that. And it's those mental errors that are just, I, I wrote the headline mental errors again, kill the Oilers or something like that and loss. And I think it's the second or third time it's where I've said, headline I wrote same headline. <laughs> yeah, it's just in the same headline. Yeah. You, you focused on it. It's exasperating the way they're losing these games, yeah. the, the sh- shooting themselves in the foot yeah. with their defensemen shooting up into the play trying to score and i don't know what's going on we've seen it well, so much i'll i'll give um uh you, you say it's all right to fire passes into the slot and sometimes they're going to get intercepted and well it's if your defenseman sees a hole and he jumps into it and they don't use it i mean sometimes that's not going to work out either i will in defense of both players lavois and aharney say this uh Oilers made a small mistake, and Nashville absolutely crushed them with execution. They did. Uh, the puck was chipped over to the what was the, it was a great play by the defense. Was it Yossi to get a stick on the pass? Like it was a bullet pass from from Lavoie with an intended receiver at the other end. He wasn't just firing a prayer into the slot. Correct. The stick came out and chipped it over to the boards, and the guy on the boards, which had to be. Uh, Evangelista, Luke Evangelista fired a, uh, he moved up the boards a little bit and then he fired a, a perfect uh, stretch pass to a breaking Tommy Novak behind Harney, who's, who's, uh, you know, doing his best, but he just can't overtake the guy. He did what he tried to, but he, you know, he could hamper the shot a little bit, but he went in and buried the shot. And of course, Campbell did not come up with the save. 
I thought maybe Kulak could have played the angle a little better than he did to, to cut out that cross-ice pass, but uh, uh, he didn't read exactly where uh, Novak yeah, it was, was a I tough think. one. It was a tough one. Anyway, saying. my point being, small mistake, vicious execution by the other guy's goal. Where is execution by the Oilers that ever produced goals the other way? Where the other guys make a mistake and bang, we're going to crush you on the rush. You know, the 16 goal or 18 goals against on the rush is upsetting, but so is the 6-4. It's brutal. Where is the where is the rush attack? And I, you know, Oilers are getting schooled by teams that are showing this is what you do to teams that make a mistake. Well, Oilers, how about you show them what happens when mistakes get made? I'm just not seeing it. Not seeing it. We're not seeing that execution. Um, are we at numbers now? Yeah, we are. Okay, what is your number, Bruce? Okay, I'm going to go with these numbers. Uh, 22 minutes, 33 seconds, 25 minutes, 58 seconds, 22 minutes, 47 seconds, 24 minutes, 2 seconds, 25 minutes, 35 seconds. That was the ice time for the Oilers' big five forwards on Thursday night against Dallas, day and a half ago. And they ran those guys into the ice with these tremendously long games, like 25 minutes is a huge amount for a forward. Plus their arms were tired from shooting pucks so much. And because they so over-relied on those guys to lead the comeback on Thursday, uh, here they are on Saturday afternoon. They're, they're cut back, sure, to about 20 minutes each. But uh, uh, they just didn't seem to me to have a lot of juice. And I think this is, uh, you know, the, the, the imbalance, not just of the roster, but of the way the roster is being used, the over-reliance of these guys. And as the games start to run together, as they're going to, that's going to become more and more of a thing. And... Uh, they have to find some way, some strategy where they're not skating these guys into the ice like that. Because, you know, they, they just, I just thought they, they were down a court this afternoon. Even Kane, who's been really good for a bunch of games, he only had, today, he only had two, three, two shots and three hits, which is, you know, down from six and six, respectively, I think it was. Anyway, and... Uh, just all the way up and down. They're just their energy budget is low because the guys at the top are being over relied on and they're not producing. And what what can you do to switch it up besides not leave Sam Gagne on the bench for the last two minutes last game? Anyway, <laughs> Sam Gagne has been good, eh? Yeah, he he has been good. And McDavid says he's a hundred percent, you know, but. Oh, I'm not sure I believe it. He said right after the game, that's for me 100%. Yeah. And I'm just not sure I believe it because I'm not seeing the extra gear. I'm not seeing the other extra gear. And here's my bonus number zero, which is the number of times Connor McDavid has been one of the game stars so far this season in eight games. Whoa, yeah. that is a good number. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm that sure just I... doesn't happen over that stretch of time that he's not even third star in a game. I'm sure he's not certain he's not completely. Yeah, I am too. There's just no doubt. They did use him on the face-off dot today, which is great, yeah, but he went for four for 100 or something. <laughs> oh, I got the wrong, still reading the wrong game. 
four four wins, fifteen losses, twenty one percent. And Nuge was five wins, thirteen losses, twenty eight percent. The Oilers were twenty one wins, forty one losses, thirty four percent. Not good. Okay. So Bruce, I had mentioned earlier, uh, my wife was asking again, like what's what's wrong? And I was struggling. So so what I did was I ran some numbers for the first 10 games. Mm-hmm. So overall, Bruce, the Oilers have had 142 grade A shots um, and given up 131. So they've actually had a one grade A shot per game edge in the first 10 games. And I, and I think I've seen, I, I don't follow the other analytics that closely, but I, I think I've seen people suggest that the Oilers are getting, they're out shooting and out other out zone timing oh, and stuff yeah, like that tough. the opposition so we have them with, with a slight edge but it's significant enough you know that's um they're not getting they're not getting run out of these games generally speaking at least you can say but on the five alarm shots the most dangerous shots the opposition is ahead in the first 10 games 69 to 63 and in the McDavid, at least in the since um, the Holland era, let's say of the McDavid Oilers, they mm-hmm. have not been outdone when it comes to the most dangerous chances um, in many stretches of play. The Oilers always get the more, almost always get the more deadly chances. Even against Vegas, if you added it all up, I think they had more five alarm chances than did Vegas. So this is a significant difference for the Oilers. They de- they depend on getting the most of the, the most dangerous chances in order to win games, and they're not getting them. They haven't got them in the first 10 games. And um, so if you're looking for um, evidence of what's what's going wrong, well, they're unable to defend um, the, the greatest chances against, and they're, they're not creating as many as they're used to doing because of, uh, I think, mainly, mainly because of injuries, um, mainly because of injury to one player, Connor McDavid. So, um, and Ekholm, and Ekholm, yeah, two really key players, you know, arguably their best defenseman, probably their best defenseman since he, Ekholm was after he came to the team last year, I think, and, um, their best forward, their best attacker and the best attacker in the world. So that is holding them back until those two players get healthy. It's not, it's going to be more of a rough ride. I think it's safe to say, but again, I, I thought I saw signs that they might be getting healthier. You ready for the conundrum, Bruce? Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. How much of this is on Jay Woodcroft? Uh, I have to say a fair bit. Ooh, okay, I'll, I'll right. go back. I'll go back to uh, the number I just cited. The numbers I just cited of ice time from last game and the imbalance. I mean, I do understand the the reliance on top players. And even the over-reliance in, in a close game. But there are other games to consider. And there's other guys in your lineup that need some reps and some trust. And what I saw, I remember two years ago when he uh, Woodcroft came in and Derek Ryan was quite outspoken and saying, it's good that, you know, we know we have a role now. And he's explaining what our role is. And even for, you know, we're short of forward, the, you know, the... Uh, there is a plan for how he's going to use the fourth line or everybody gets a special team, you know, and uh, I'm seeing less of that 
now than than more. And I mean, part of it is on management for uh, for who they brought in. But at the same time, I mean, who they mostly brought in was guys that were here already, right? The other night when they got to the end of the game, uh, with when Connor Brown was out, uh, they had one guy on the ice who wasn't on the team last year, and that was Sam Gagne, who's been here three other times. And there, there, there really was not any sort of a turnover within the team. So that, to me, that's on management. But uh, uh, what coaching is doing with it, and some of the messages that are that are being sent. Um, I'll mention again the Gagne on the bench the other night when he was the most inspired player the Oilers had, and he was sitting on the bench for the last two minutes with the goalie out. And what kind of message is that sending? That I wrote about this. That uh, if the uh, you know the top guys know they're getting the ice, even if they're having a bad game, they're going to get those high leverage minutes. And the bottom guys, no matter how good of a game they have, they know they're not getting those minutes. And you wonder how does that you know really blend and mesh a hockey team? And that's a hard question, and I don't know, you know, I don't know who's got the answer. I'm not sure it's Jay Woodcroft at this moment, and I like Woody fine. I'm, I'm absolutely shocked and appalled at how things gone so sideways so fast. But when it comes to having to change things up and you can't fire 20 players, well, you know what often happens, right? So I do think that he, uh, uh, he may be walking on a, a bit of a tightrope right now. No, oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And if this continues for another uh, five, six, seven games, it's going to happen. That's my prediction. Um, how much is he to blame? Heading yeah. into the season, I I wanted them to have a new defensive system. I thought their defense was a total fiasco in the playoffs, and it was against Vegas. It was a mess. And it was mediocre through last year. And I also, and I wanted them to, one of the things I'd like to see was a checking line. Like a lot of teams have that kind of checking line still in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So you have a player like Derek Ryan, who you mentioned, and you actually have a role for him. And man, Bruce, the orders miss that kind of line so much. They just don't have it still. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, but they, I think, and, and the weird thing is they, they, I think they even have the players in Ryan, Yanmark and McLeod and Fogel to have a checking line, but it's not in Woodcroft's repertoire. It seems to put together that kind of line and go with them to give them heavy minutes against top competition to have Derek Ryan out there in that role, to have Matthias Janmark in that role. There's a lot of people who don't like probably either of those players on the team at this point. And you, you, in some ways you wonder why they're on the team because they're so poor to use. So, um, I think Woodcroft was right to try to bring in another defensive system that, in fact, other teams are using zone defense constantly to thwart the Oilers. It was mentioned on the broadcast tonight. I can't remember by who, but they're packing it in. They're they're patient. They're waiting They're waiting for the Oilers to give up the puck and then rush up the ice and score against them, counterattack against the Oilers, the impatient Oilers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it wasn't the zone issue wasn't killing them. They were be- beat off the rush. Anyway, I I don't know. Like, They've decided to go back to their man-to-man system. Fine. Maybe they can master that. I have, I have doubts about it. But um, their systems, um, their forechecking system, 
their lack of patience on the attack. And, uh, you know, we saw that kind of zone defense in the um, neutral zone, the trap that they were playing. And I haven't, I don't think I've seen that trap in the regular season. Maybe they're trapping and I'm not noticing it, but I haven't seen them try to slow down a game and try to win games off the counterattack themselves or try to win games in, in anything but old style kind of order, score, 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 score. Well, so I think minus the, about three of those scores, it's hard to do that. Yeah, I think that their their um, neutral zone system has been a complete and utter failure. Yeah. I don't think I don't know. Did they back off? Did they not implement it? I I'll have to think hard about that. Maybe look at look at what's going on. I haven't noticed it. They mm-hmm. seem to be pressing. They seem to be a pressure team pressing up the ice with their defensemen and getting caught repeatedly again and again and again, and they don't have a checking line. They don't trust their role players with significant minutes against the top competition on the other team. They could have done that tonight against Forsberg's line. They could have had a line of Derek Ryan, Ryan McLeod, and Warren Fogle out there checking, and that's their job. That's what you, you're going to shut down that line. That is your role. Woodcroft's never done that. Um, he did it in, actually did it in the playoffs with McLeod, Ryan, and Fogle, and that was their best line against Vegas, I think. Um, I don't think that's an overstatement, not in terms of scoring, but in terms of um, um, shot advantage. And it was certainly their best defensive line. So he did go to that, but he is completely backed off. Like Derek Ryan seems like a lost man out there. Like what, a, you know, he, he must be wondering, well, what's my role on this team? What do I do? Because he doesn't seem to have one. And he was your best defensive forward in the playoffs. He really was strong. I think it would help McLeod. Take the pressure of him trying to score. Just just defend, man. Be your defensive stalwart center. And so that's my other criticism. Overall, though, Bruce Woodcroft has been a good coach in the past. Yes. He's still a good coach now. Um, I don't like that lack of a checking line. I don't like their defensive structure in the neutral zone. And I don't know what they can do about, you know, the bonehead mental errors that are be- leading to rushes against. Maybe if you backed off in the neutral zone a little less aggressive and just mm-hmm. we're going to focus on defense, defense, defense and bottling up the other team and try to score off the counterattack like they were doing in the preseason. Um, so maybe that's on Woodcroft um, moving away from that into a more aggressive system in the neutral zone. I don't know. Can't say for sure. So, so I... I I think it's mainly the the injury to McDavid is 1A, and then the other thing that's uh, close then is the mental errors um, on the attack, but that might come from an over-aggressive system too instead of backing off a bit there. So um, that's something to think about. Yeah, well, they've given up 41 goals in 10 games, and uh, I'll invite you to read me the long list of, of players, all of whom we're seeing returning from last year, who have shown signs of clear progress so far this season. Well, <laughs> you stumped me, Bruce. Bouchard has been playing. He, he's had a few rough games. He's had he's, some some progress within the season. Yeah, within the, within the season, he's he's getting kind of back to his old level. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of games on the list. Cody Cece's played better year to year, but that's mainly because he's not he's he's healthy um, mm-hmm. this year. Warren Fogle has continued with his strong play, maybe even taking it up a notch. 
So I can name a couple, I guess. And that's it. One of the young guys. Well, Holloway. Holloway is spinning his wheels. McLeod Holloway spinning is his wheels. totally spinning. Like he, Broke that's why you need minors. Holloway, Holloway either needs the minors or he needs to be on the fourth line in limited minutes because he's not getting anything done. And that's why, you know, Ryan should be playing those minutes right now. And I guess people would say, oh, you just mm-hmm. want to limit yeah. the, the kid and go with the veteran. Yeah, I actually do. I think. I think he, mm-hmm. Ryan is a significantly better player right now than Dylan Holloway in terms of being an NA, effective NHL player. I would go with him every game until Dylan Holloway cranks it up on the fourth line and shows he belongs in the NHL. So a fourth line with Lavoie and Holloway and and someone, you know, a veteran guy to, to help them out. I don't know who that's going to be. Uh, but in limited minutes, that works for me. But I think they need that checking line, and that's – that's what I hope I they like go to. See next. those guys playing meaningful minutes, but be be better. You know, like where's the where's the forward progress? And anyway, well, that's you're holding that against Woody too, and that's I think that's fair. I think that's fair comment. I think you're, you've made a good point there. So now <sighs> the coaches, I can look at last game. We talked about a goal where Philip Broberg made a physical mistake, and and uh, Dylan Holloway made a mental mistake. And also Ryan McLeod was lesser mental mistake on the same bad line change. And then today we're talking about a play where Lavoie made an over-aggressive pass and then uh, DeHarnay made an over-aggressive pinch. And again, we're talking about young or at least inexperienced NHL players. And, you know, the coaches look at that and go, well, we can't, we better get somebody we can trust out there, you know, and if they sort of offset it once in a while with a goal the other way, you know, like we've got so many guys that haven't even been on the ice for a goal for in 10 games, 10 games that none of, you know, Ryan McLeod or uh, 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 Dylan Holloway or Connor Brown uh, or there's five of them. Uh, Jan Mark's been on the ice for one goal. Uh, Ryan was on for an empty net goal, you know, and that's it. The bottom six is just just a complete black hole in terms of offensive anyway. And they're decent at keeping the puck out of their own net, but decent only works if you're also decent at putting it in the other net. Why wouldn't you go back to Ryan and McLeod as a combo like like they had against Vegas? I mean, that was a Ryan super effective Ryan and McLeod, line. it just kind of runs together, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. There you go, man. It's like it's uh, it's like the simulation is winking at us and telling us this is what they should be to have together. And there's Janmark is a good defensive winger. Fogel's a good defensive winger and a good attacker as well. There's lots of, and they just it's like that never comes up. And instead, all we hear is about lack of depth scoring from the bottom line guys when it's actually the top guys who are now admired in this horrible slump, as you have pointed out. So, um, anyway, two seven, whatever, <clears throat> Bruce, <laughs> two seven and one. Did not see that coming. It's going to be an interesting month of November because, um, if this doesn't turn around, but it could, so let's leave it at that. It could. Yeah. Let's let her turn around, start turning around on this road trip. Maybe getting the hell out of Dodge for a while is exactly what the doctor ordered here. Yeah, and, and Eckholm and McDavid. I am hope I'm right about their health improving. I'm sure I'm right with Eckholm because he just looks so much better. 
he looks normal and maybe with McDavid as, as well. All right, Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.